The Money Show. Other people's money. Oh, she's so brave. I've been threatening to be mean <laughs> all day. And I'm so exhausted with all of my wicked planning um, that I, I just don't have it anymore. Don't have it anymore. Azania Musaka, <laughs> welcome to The Money Show. How are we this evening? I am so well, Bruce. I was looking forward to having you be mean to me. <laughs> what an anticlimax. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. Look, I mean, it's my natural instinct, so we'll see. Now, listen, um, talk to me about uh, baby Azania. Where is baby Azania born? Uh, baby Azania was born at Paragonath Hospital. I am the last born from my mother. So I've got an older brother who's eight years older than me and my sister's three years older than me. So I'm the last born. So I think I, I've, I've got those tendencies, you know, last born kind of tendencies. What are last-born tendencies? Because I have them too, but I'm curious as to what they are. Well, the thing is, we want things our way. Um, we think that our view should be, uh, you know, should override everybody else's. Um, there's a little bit of entitlement there, but also outspokenness as well. I mean, my siblings still talk about the things that they can't believe I actually said. So I think by the time I came around, my mom was a little bit more, was less strict, if I can put it that way. So I did get a lot with, away with a lot more than maybe they did. Uh, so far, I'm struggling to see any problem with what you're saying because it, it seems me perfectly too. reasonable. Perfect, <laughs> perfectly reasonable to me. What's your earliest memory of money? Is money an issue for you growing up? Money, you know, like being raised by a single parent, Bruce, money was. Always tight. That's what I always remember. We would go to into town to do our groceries and carry them back home, taking taxis and so on. And these groceries would have to last us the whole month. And if it ran out, it ran out. You just had to wait till the end of the month, you know. Um, so this idea of popping off to the shops every week to replenish the cupboards wasn't there, you know, growing up. And I remember... My uncle used to work at a bank and he came back with money boxes for us. So the idea, of course, is that you would save. But we used to raid those things all the time. There wasn't enough in there anyway, but we used to raid them all the time. They had these knife markings because we're always trying to pry out the coins. Um, so it was, it, there, wasn't, there wasn't, we had, but there wasn't enough to go around um, as say what we have now. Was it, a, was it a money, I mean, yes, it was money scarce. Was it money stressed environment? Was it something that you, as yes. a child, recall worrying about? Um, I can recall a couple of Christmases where, through two or three, where the cupboards were, were bare. Um, an uncle of mine, the same one who worked at the bank, was really furious that we spent Christmas that way, you know, and not with the usual pomp and treats, ice creams and canned uh, fruit, um, you know, the usual big meals that come with Christmas that we stayed at home and with the little that we had. Um, so I can remember those kind of tough periods where there just wasn't enough, where there wasn't much. And, you know, a time like Christmas is meant to be a very festive period. Sure. And we had this particular consecutive couple of Christmases that were particularly dry.
But it's funny, isn't it? I mean, not funny, haha, but but it's amazing how because we have a high level of expectation around things like holidays. Um, if if your friends all get big Easter eggs, then Easter traumatizes you. If your friends are getting great Christmas presents, or you're seeing on TV <laughs> that other kids get Christmas presents and Father Christmas comes to them, but he doesn't come to you, um, you 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 do feel a bit spare. I mean, and that does begin to shape the way you you feel and think about money. Who is Father Christmas? Who is Father exactly. Christmas? Even when I raised my kids, I refused for them to think that these gifts came from somewhere mythical. You know, I told them directly, I worked hard for that money, you know. And when we were growing up, it would be a case of um, Christmas clothes. So you would get a special outfit for Christmas that's bought especially for Christmas. You could only start wearing it from Christmas Day. Um, and... Sometimes you were able to get something and sometimes you simply were not, you know, and there was no talking back or whining about it. It was just great if there was and um, you would just carry on if there wasn't. The As the adage says, listen, it's stationary or, or, or treats over Christmas, which is it going to be? <laughs> Isn't really much of a choice, is there? Yeah. No, I mean, so it's, it's it's rough. I mean, did you, you know, did you do odd jobs? Did you start working fairly young? Did you start earning pocket uh, money? How, yes. how did you? How I, did you I started no. working. I started working really young, uh, Bruce. Um, a friend of mine that I used to go to high school with said she wanted to try out modeling, and so she asked me to go along with <laughs> her. So we went. To, yes, we went and visited an agent, a booking agent. And the agent looked her over and said, okay, fine. You can go ahead and shoot a little uh, book. You know, there's, there's, there's this book. Now they have Z cards. But back then you had a Z card and a book, a portfolio with all your images in there. And she then turned to me and said, why don't you also go ahead and do it? And I'd never had any kind of aspirations for modeling or pageants and things like that. And I went ahead and did the photo shoot as well, got a portfolio and started going to castings for ads. I'm not particular. I mean, I'm tall. I think when you look at the average heights of South Africans, I'm on the tall side of things. But not as tall as, say, uh, what the what is required for models, especially ramp models. So I ended up doing TV ads, and that was that was so so grueling because I would have to travel into town, taking a taxi, then a bus, so a taxi into town, a bus to Parktown, which is where uh, I, w- I used to go to Parktown Girls High. And then after school, so I'd have my school bag and I'd have to pack a side bag. And this bag would have to have my social clothes because I'd have to change afterwards to uh, as part of the audition. And not knowing the suburbs, I mean, I was a girl from Pimville, Soweto. Uh, you relied heavily on petrol station directions as well as <laughs> taxi drivers, hoping that they're in a good mood that day. Yeah. And that they can point you in the right direction. And so after school, I would then have to get back into town and from there find other transport modes, whether it's a taxi or a, a bus, but get into whatever suburb, find the address. That's when I first realized how big the houses in the suburbs were. Because until you walk that block, until you walk several blocks in the suburbs that only make up like two three houses per block 
you realize the wealth disparity, you know. No, but that, um, I mean, and, how, and what, imp- what impact does that have on you? I mean, uh, you, are, you are new to these suburbs, you're walking the suburbs, you can't afford, there, there's no Uber. Yeah, you can't afford, um, yeah, the, the buses aren't particularly reliable. You're not going to take a taxi. Um, and so you are now experiencing this firsthand as, as a young person. How old are you? Late teens by then? Mid-teens. I started at about 15, 16. Um, so the effect that it had was that it made me grumpy. A lot it made me kind of start resenting going to these auditions because mm. i mean by the time i get there i'm sweating i'm stinky i've carried these bags my school bag and the side bag and then they're these girls who are so well put together that you're going up against and then as luck would have it as maybe charm would have it let me give myself some credit here <laughs> it yeah some of it is luck. some of it i guess maybe is your own effort um, I got quite a few of those auditions. But what it did is that it kind of opened up my eyes to these differences. There was a block of flats, just two-story flats. When you drive from Southgate, that's a mall in the south, mm-hmm. and you head up the M1 towards um, towards town, there was a block of flats on the right that had these uh, bright patio patterns on them. And I used to think one day when I grow up, I'm going to live there. When I see those flats today, they look so <laughs> run down. Yeah. You know, but that was the ambition then to get of out of the township, to just go on to the next level, the next step. Not quite sure about how, but just knowing that what I'm doing now, I just have to keep mm-hmm. at it, keep going, keep going and keep walking those block after block of suburbs. Because but often it, it was the audition a, uh, places were not in convenient mm. spots. They, yeah. they weren't on routes, for instance, on public routes. And it's a hard gig. I mean, people look at TV adverts and think, boy, you get paid a fortune for doing just a morning's work. But, I mean, your hit rate, what, one out of five auditions? Maybe with you, maybe it was three out of five. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, it, it's, a, it's a hard life. It's a really, really, really tough life. Yeah, it is. Um, and you also have to just have the mental fortitude to take the rejection uh, because as much as you go in wanting the opportunity, you also have to not want it at the same time so that you're not left with a bowl of rejection staring back at you, that you will still have the kind of courage to get out there again. And people were, and, and it's such an aesthetic or image conscious or uh, there's an emphasis on image in this industry so when you walk in and you don't quite have the genes that say i'm a model that has arrived uh look at me when you have say maybe your school shoes on with the pair of jeans you just become you out of place and the the eyes will tell you the the stares that you will get people's faces tell you that you don't belong did you ever feel like you fitted in? Did you, you did you once you got a portfolio together and once that you were, uh, the, once you were really you know into it, um, did you did you feel confident? Did you get that confidence, that sense of belonging? No, <laughs> not really, because I ended up. Luckily, I stopped because I went to one major audition. Um, that was for a TV show, and I got that TV show. So that's when I really stopped the the TV ads. Um, so I think 
I'm lucky in that sense that I didn't have to go at it for too long. Okay. Azania Musaka, she is our guest this evening. Other people's money. Early days of Azania Musaka before she became super famous. And we're going to talk to her about um, investments. We're going to talk to her about money. We're going to talk about paying jobs. We're going to talk to her about running her own business while being on the radio. And just how tough that's been in COVID as well. Um, We'll talk about that this evening here on The Money Show. The Money Show. Other people's money. And Zanya Musaka is that other people. She joins us this evening. She hosts the afternoon show on 702 between 1. I'm, I see you testing me between 1 and 3 every day, every weekday, Monday, uh, Monday to Friday. Um, so often I'm in the office and she gets in and she's dressed so glamorously. Um, and then she comes into the office and she does her work and she disappears and she goes off to do other glamorous things. Do you have a, yeah, okay, pre-COVID, glamorous lifestyle? No, actually, I don't. I have a very small universe, just friends and family, very small clique. Not at all. I live a very normal, regular life, Bruce. But you're a star of stage and screen of adverts and TV shows and on the radio. You're supposed to have this Hollywood lifestyle. Oh, no. I got real about this space really early on. Remember, I had my oldest child when I was 21. And that's when I was starting out. Uh, and then soon after that, 20 years ago, rather, a year later, I managed to get into Metro FM as a producer and went straight to national radio. So that sort of event grounds you and forces you to really focus. I'd always leave parties early. I was never that person at these glamorous affairs who, you know, I, firstly, I didn't except all invitations I selected quite carefully because I've got a child at home. And then secondly, um, I just have a low threshold for such social settings. So um, luckily that helped me not get caught up in that spiral and just the reality of being a young parent needing to provide. There was no time for frivolous things. I had to get serious about education policies, unit trusts, and just making sure that I don't subject this poor child to a situation where she does, where, where opportunities that could be accessible to her are simply squandered. Have you been a, a responsible investor? Have you been a diligent investor? Have you been good with that money? Um, you know, where we work is vastly different, Bruce, to uh, contracts, for instance, and terms of employment at places like the SABC. That's a full-on freelance gig not necessarily like a prime media. So um, I think I've been responsible. I'd like to think I've been responsible because I'm pretty covered. As a freelancer, you do live on the edge. You mm-hmm. don't have the comfort of having a company pay part of your medical aid or your retirement and so on. You have to take on that responsibility. Uh, so you can't rest on your laurels and think, someday I'll get to it later. So from early on, I remember when... I left, I used to work at Discovery Health, actually, when I left that job to go into radio full time. My mom was like, but what about the pension? What about medical aid? So uh, my answer to her was to say, I will have to sort that out. And I would say I fulfilled on that promise. And those were the basics, really, when we were starting out, pension, medical aid have education policies and then over the years you gain confidence and you think let me dabble i haven't been very lucky with the stock exchange i seem to pick stocks that uh end up not doing well so i do listen (laughs) to your segment (laughs) where you have 
the various stock picks. And so I ended up kind of going for a, a, a investing in like a Satrix, just an index of what is best on the stock market because... But the point oh, is you're doing it. No, but you're doing it. And the vast majority of people has really struggled to get started. Um, you know, um, mm. we, we, when you look at it and you and you look at your, your best money decision ever, I mean, considering that you were a young mum and you were starting out and you were working hard and you were hustling and you were doing all sorts of different things. What's been your best money decision, do you think? A paid-off property and a paid-off car. I would say those have lifted uh, the stress that I would say I had before, knowing that that is out of the way. There was a bigger sense of freedom um, that I wasn't able to enjoy before. So knowing that I can do different things with the money that I was busy paying off, paying the bond, or the, paying the bond with, paying the car with, and so on. And just being really, um, not being foolish when it comes to cars. Um, I drive a really small car. It's a great but it's a nice one. It's got enough power. It's a nice one. Yes, I also think so. It's cute. I also think so. But we live in Joburg. We live in Joburg where the image is you have to drive these big cars, change them every ever how often um, Mm. and just be caught up in that trap. And I think when my eyes woke up to that, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made. To be content um, and to make sure that this is about wealth building because that has, that has allowed me to grow my liquidity, to increase my liquidity on the one hand. Look at you. Because, All no, these big I need, words. I need, Look at you. Oh, come on. I need emotional uh-huh. safety. No, listen, I really worst, I psychological safety. And cash money gives me psychological safety. I've I've My never worst? seen I've never seen you wear the same thing to the office twice. So I'm just curious <laughs> as to what your your worst mis- money m- money's mistake has been. Red handed. I think I have my cupboard is excessive, Bruce. My clothes <laughs> are in all my kids' cupboards. <laughs> They're beautiful clothes, by the way. Um, I'd just like to see some of them twice. <laughs> so that's that's my weakness. I love supporting local uh, designers, mm-hmm. the local fashion industry. Uh, so that's part of my motivator. And I think it's a noble motivation. Of course it is. <laughs> that's how I justify it. That's is. how I justify it. Supporting small business every day. Zanya Musaka, thank you for coming and sharing some stories about money this evening on The Money Show.